Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We are so grateful that you have chosen us out of the world and into the kingdom of light for a plan and a purpose of your own. And through the journey of life, you teach us how to walk with you. And so this morning we ask you, Holy Spirit, the teacher, the anointed one, to come and minister to your people. We release to ourselves the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus that we might do, know and understand exactly what it is that you have purposed for us. We may be in no doubt, no matter what the circumstances are that we go through in life. And we thank you that you are the steady rock in our lives, a sure foundation. And we bless you this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Come with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at a couple of verses, but in particular, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail or fall. Paul's, uh, Peter's instructions to the church is to make their calling and their election sure. Two things in the last days that are going to become extremely important to the Christian. One is the calling, the other is the election or the choosing of the Lord Jesus Christ of each one of us individually and corporately as the body of Christ. As we designate a name over a local body, it becomes important in the sight of heaven it becomes recognized in heaven as a people calling themselves Christians and worshiping the living God. So there will be a testing. There will be a shaking that will come from heaven. It won't come from the devil. No, the devil's got his own job to do against us. But heaven has, has also got a job to do to check and prove those who call themselves worshippers and who are worshipping the living God. Worship of the living God is not a by the by thing. It cannot be taken lightly. Any task we do in the local body has to be done with diligence and care to the extent of the way it is recognized in heaven not necessarily recognized by the pastor or by the leader or the people who you help, but it has to be recognized by heaven, ratified by heaven, and ticked off as yes, we approve of it. So Peter is instructing the body of Christ and saying, make your calling and election sure. And I ask myself this question, why is he asking us to do that? Aren't we already called? Aren't we already chosen? Aren't we just going to just walk into heaven? And you know, everything will just be fine. Now he's constantly reminding the church right through his books that he wrote about the wiles of the devil and the circumstances of life and the situations that come against the believer to dissuade the believer in continuing in the faith. So, whilst he's talking about the negatives of a natural world and the demonic world, he's also talking about what Christ himself will do in order to make sure that his church is without spot or wrinkle and will be presentable in the sight of God. That's his main function now, is to make the church presentable as a chaste bride in the presence of the Lord. 
And since we are coming closer to the end of the end times, we need to be more diligent and more careful about what may come against us to dissuade us, to discourage us, to cause us to harm one another or talk or gossip against one another, or be unforgiving or be offensive or even worse than that, you know, divorce and separate and, and do all of those things that are against the gospel of Jesus Christ, against the witness of Christ to a world that is dying and needs a godly witness. Why should they come to the church if the church is a dirty rotten scoundrel? Hidden like serpents and snakes amongst the bushes waiting to strike at a dearly given moment so that when the stranger comes into the house of God feels uncomfortable because they sense something is not right. But we need to make sure that our calling and election is sure. In the sight of God, in the records of heaven, so that when we pray to God, so that when we call upon His name, He will answer us out of His righteousness, but that which has a cloak over us, because we have chosen to walk in the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. So we need to understand what this passage is really talking about. In the last days, I believe, this passage is talking about positioning yourself higher. Positioning yourself higher. So let's delve a little more into it and see what it's talking about. So the calling and election has to do with a separation from the world. From the world understanding on making decisions in life. It may be the smallest decision. What am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to make my job work tomorrow? Or, you know, who am I going to marry? Or am I going to move on and do something else different? Or, you know, whatever it is that you do in your job or in your daily life. Making a decision cannot any longer be a worldly thought. It cannot be governed by worldly principles. Though those principles are good and they can work, a level of faith in the world systems is there. It's a natural faith. It's not a spiritual faith. It works. That's how people make money. That's how they get you know, better at what they do because they apply natural law. But natural law has nothing to do with spiritual law. But as a Christian, your spirituality must govern your everyday decision. Amen. Everyday decision. So when you start to do that, it's taking you apart from the world. It's separating you from people ask you, why don't you drink? Well, I don't drink because etc. 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 Right? I don't do bad things because of this. Okay, you know, what's wrong with drinking? What's wrong with smoking? You know, it doesn't say in the Bible per se that you shouldn't do those things. Well, it's talking about management. It's talking about temple management. Hello, you're listening to me this morning. The same way when you, when you mouth out some rubbish words, it's talking about temple management. Right? When you start thinking negative thoughts, it's talking about temple management. So what it's doing is it's not, it's reducing your calling, it's reducing your choosing. You no longer trust God, you no longer believe in Him, you no longer operate on the basis of what God has said and what God is saying. Because when you pray, He gives you an answer and you don't like the answer, so you go to the world. And why? Because your education kicks in, because your family kicks in, because what you are familiar with kicks in. You have not made yourself familiar with the Word of God, and in a good sense, I mean, not in a bad sense. You have not come closer. So the negativity takes over of the world. 
And, and Peter is emphasizing this, saying that in the last days, make sure, make the calling sure. Right? Calling also has to do with your ministry. Calling also has to do with what you're supposed to do as a Christian. So he's saying, make all of those things sure. Right? When you go up to heaven, God will say, what did you do with the eternal life that I gave you while you were on earth? And uh, it's going to be a tough call if you don't have anything to show for the glory that God gave you. Esther, Queen Esther, was chosen to do a particular task. She was a Jew. She was in a position that was in the king's house, comfortable, out of her poverty situation. She had been raised up by God, but she didn't know why. She thought God was just giving her a better life. No, God's not just giving you a better life. Okay, don't make that mistake. Because you make God a materialistic God. God is not just giving you a better life. God is positioning you. He's positioning you in His kingdom for a time such as this. Esther didn't know that. Mordecai knew it. Her uncle, who sat at the gate of the king, he knew it. There was a dirt, there was something going to happen that was going to destroy the nation of Israel. Somebody needed to stand in the gap. And it happens to be Esther. Now Esther was instructed by her uncle to stand in the gap, but she didn't know how. So she decided to take a worldly decision and say, you know, I can't go into the presence of the king as required by you, my uncle, to petition for the kingdom of Israel because I will lose my life. And he said, hey, listen to this. If you don't do it, you and your family will all die and God will raise somebody else. Wow. God's hand is not shortened to save his people. Just because you say no, it doesn't mean he can't save the world. He'll just run all over you and he'll sort it out himself, okay, with somebody else who's waiting in the wings praying and fasting and seeking God and saying, God, use me! Whilst you are debating whether you should be used or not, and yet He came to you in the first instance and He offered you the possibility of doing something great and you said, no, maybe I'll think about it some other time. And He said, there isn't going to be another time. There isn't going to be another time like 2020. There isn't going to be another opportunity like 2020. Don't wait for it. Now is the time to make your calling and election sure. Because the test has come from heaven. What are you doing? In 2020, what are you going to do in 2021? What are you going to do that is going to prepare you now for the years to come? No, I'm waiting for the years to come. No, no, don't wait for the years to come because they're not going to be good years. There's, there's a decree going out. There's the king of all of Israel. In Esther, don't you know that the years to come is going to be death? Unless you do something about it now. And that's what God is telling us in the church. Do something about it now. She had to go and stand in the presence of the king. Not allowed. 
sure death. If the king did not raise his scepter, he's sure death. But she knew that she had to do it now because her uncle had convinced her that she would die and her family would die. So self-preservation kicked in. At least do it for self-preservation, if not anything else. Get your life right for the sake of self-preservation. Save your own soul. Save your own soul. Instead of living in some fantasy land of your Christianity. Get right with God. Get closer to God. Stop living in your sorrows and your sadness and your whatever else. God's waiting for His people to rise. She rose up. She went into the presence of the Lord. She positioned herself higher. Her circumstances was bad. She was caught between a rock and a hard place. And some of you are caught between a rock and a hard place. And God's saying, position yourself higher. Go into the presence of the king. Hey, the throne is open. There is no need for you to fear death. There is life waiting for you. All you gotta do is get up out of your self-pity out of your sorrow, out of kicking yourself morning, noon and night and get into the presence of the Lord. You know the devil's just sitting back and laughing. He's got his legs crossed on the rocking chair and he's laughing because he says, this person, I don't even need to kick them because they know how to kick themselves. No, you have to go higher. You know the beauty about going higher may not be a very pleasant thing. Because the higher you go, the greater the abandonment. <laughs> the higher you go, the greater the abandonment. What is abandonment? Letting go and letting go. Now, if God doesn't turn up, okay, you are in serious trouble. <laughs> now, you've got to make that decision. You know, Elijah, he was given a morsel of food by the angel and said, this is going to keep you going for 40 days and 40 nights because you're going to climb up to Mount Horeb. Okay, you're going to go and meet the living God. Now, you know, climbing Mount Horeb is not a joke. I looked it up on the net. It's a tough call climbing up Mount Horeb. Now it's a bit touristy, so you can stop and all of that. But think back to the days of Elijah. Okay, it was probably a night climb. I'd probably say he was climbing up the night. Mount Horeb means desolate. Yet, in this most desolate place in the entire universe, Okay, God chooses to come and show himself. He showed himself to Moses in the same place. He gave the law in the same place. And now he's telling Elijah, come up and meet me. Elijah was running from Jezebel. He was in serious trouble. His ministry was almost at an end. He said, just let me die. Here was another one who was worried about that prophet of God, mighty man, done fantastic miracles. You know, when your Christian faith takes you higher, it takes you into more difficulty sometimes. More of a challenge than you've ever had before. Right? You've never faced this kind of challenge before. And you're thinking, where are all the years of my experience because it seems to have left me in this situation. You know, when you're facing bankruptcy, all your years of experience would leave you because bankruptcy is staring you in the face and saying, listen, man, I've got you. And you're between a, between a rock 
and a hard place. You can't do anything. The devil's laughing. I've been there. Believe me, I've been there several times. You know why? Because I was depending on myself. Yet I was praying to God and saying, use me, take me higher. You know, I want to serve you. I want to travel the world. I want to preach the gospel. You know, I know I'm called. And all these things. Yes, I'm ready now. Okay? Face this one. It's called bankruptcy. Face this one. It's called divorce. Face this one. It's called persecution in the church. Face this one. It's called offense. Face this one. Somebody's giving you false accusation. Face this. And you go year after year after year after year. Ah, oh, yeah, that theology, you know, all your faith-filled messages, they don't work at that time. Okay, they don't work. So don't come and tell me about how great a message you have for me in the Lord. They don't work. That was my attitude. Till I went on my knees. Till I went on my knees. All of what other people said to me never made any sense. Till I went on my knees. Going on your knees is going to the higher place. It's positioning yourself in the higher place, in the midst of your chaos and confusion and demolition works by the devil and you're sitting there and you are watching it all fall apart and you just sit there and you say, Lord, I trust you. Mm -hmm. I said, Lord, you said. Suddenly, I'm taking hold of this God and I'm holding him good to his word and I said, you said. I have the boldness to talk to him that way and I say, you said. He said, yeah, I did. I did say. Then where is my redemption? Then where is my relief? Where is my release from the power of Satan? He says, well, you have it now. You can go. So Elijah gets up to the top. You know, facing all the hardships of climbing. It's, it, you know, if you fall off the side of that cliff, you're gone, you're dead. Pitch black. The rocks, the sharp rocks, are just waiting to cut you apart. Your flesh will not stand even for a second in that presence. That's what the devil is trying to do. He said, I'm going to rip you apart. You make one mistake and you're dead. And the Lord is saying, come up and meet me on the top of the mountain. One day an angel turns up and talks to Mary, an innocent woman, virgin, minding her own business. And he says, listen, I've just come from heaven. God sent me, right? And you are going to be birthed. But in the Son of God, His name is Jesus. Oh, come on, give me a break. I'm not even uh, married. I, I, I'm a virgin here. And I don't see how this is going to happen. Suddenly she has to position herself in a higher place in her thinking, in her understanding of her scriptures, of what she knew of the Jewish faith to understand that God was bringing a Messiah. She knew that. And he said, she said, I'm blessed above everybody else. I'm blessed. The Son of God has been birthed in you and in me. Above all, we are blessed. Why? Why choose us? I have no idea. Given an opportunity, I'll kill everybody on the earth and live alone. Why? Because that's the nature of man. And that's what man is doing to each other at this very moment. Killing each other off. Right? 
Why? Because that one person wants to rule and reign like the devil over the entire universe and have his hordes of demons with him in his evil. Doesn't want righteousness, he doesn't want goodness, he doesn't want kindness, he doesn't want love, he doesn't want any of those things. And he's pressurizing the church to be the kind of church that would turn against one another in the same manner. And they're doing it. They're doing it. It was a dangerous decision that Mary had to take. But she said, no, I'm going to position myself higher. I'm going to make my calling and election sure. We know the outcome. To position oneself higher makes you look to Jesus thereby eliminating what is below. What is below, they are called rudimentary elements in the Bible. Okay, they are flightless things, they are demons and flightless things that cannot rise above an earthly level. They are called rudimentary elements. So no matter what you do, you know, with it, whether you put wings to it and call it a rocket and send it to the moon, right? It'll it'll only get to the moon and fall back, right? Yeah. It won't get above that. It cannot get into heaven. It can get into the atmosphere of the earth, but it cannot get into yeah. heaven. Hello, please. You know what gets into heaven? Is your humility. Is your obedience. Is your trust. Is you're saying, I can't do this, I need your help. That's, that's what gets into heaven. Your prayers of humility. Right? No rocket ship will take it there. Just you on your knees can get up there and be in that position. The moment you do that, the rudimentary elements slip off. You know, have you seen the rocket losing pieces of itself as it goes up? Right? Because the higher it goes, right, it cannot carry that weight. So don't take your burdens to heaven. There are no burdens in heaven. Don't go in there and say, <laughs> You're probably going to do it, but that's okay. Right? Because you might feel a touch on your shoulder and suddenly all those burdens will go. Right? And you say, how did this happen? And suddenly you will be worshipping the Lord in spirit and in truth and your burdens are far gone. They don't exist. Right? Because you are praising the Lord. And you are worshipping the Lord. He touched you. We sang that song. He touched me. <laughs> Simple equation of how to position yourself higher. The tough decisions in life are often the ones that take you out of the storm. As I have been telling you in past sermons, my advice to you is go into the storm. Okay? Find the storm. And say, storm, listen, I don't care two words about you. And the storm goes, Bleh. and you look at it and you say, I don't care two hoots about you. And it's going to get even angrier. The fire was heated up seven times worse for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego and they said, King, hey, listen, uh, we, we can't bow to you because uh, we already bow to the King of Kings. So, see around. The king got angry. He said, make it seven times worse. He said, you can make it any time worse, but it's not going to do anything to us. 
is not going to change my mind about my God, about my deliverance, about what is going to happen. You know, I don't care to hoots about what you're talking about, Storm. Shut up in the name of Jesus. And the storm looks at you and says, well, what is this? It's called making your election sure. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. The chosen one knows who he or she is. The chosen one knows who or she is. Right? It's the one who's the unbeliever who doesn't know. They have a label called Christianity, but they don't know because they don't believe. Right? They're not chosen. They've joined a community. They've joined a, a church body. But they're not part of the real body of Christ. They're, they're part of a local body. Where there's music, fun, table tennis, frolic, food, you know, whatever you want to do, mate. You know, that's fine with us. We won't offend you. We won't hurt you. You know, we love you. We'll come to your house and we'll give you cookies and cakes and we'll look after you. But we will never tell you anything about sin. We will never tell you anything about getting your life right with God. We will never tell you anything about stop beating your wife. We will never tell you anything about anything. We'll just come alongside you. It's not Christian. Jesus appeared to a guy who died standing next to his dead body in the operating theater and said to him, son, you see that black vest over here on your body? He said, yes. He said, go and have a closer look. He went and had a closer look. That was all the curses of what people had spoken over his life. People can put curses on you by telling you nice things. They can put curses on you by telling you bad things. Jesus will tell you the truth without hurting you. It will be difficult, but his intention is not hurt. If you can believe God for who he is and believe, in his ways, in spite of what you see and experience in the flesh, then you can see and you can do the impossible. You can both see it and you can do it. Apostle Paul constantly sought to go to that higher place because he set Jesus as his goal. He said, I have not already attained. I'm not yet perfected, but I press on toward the mark, the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. So he still go. And every time he reached a level of faith in his knowledge and in his understanding of Christ, he had to go higher. He had to position himself higher because that level of faith was not going to carry him anymore. Maybe it would have carried the Thessalonians and the Ephesians and the Galatians. It could have carried those kind of people. But it wasn't going to carry him anymore because he had come to a place in his faith where he needed more of Christ. Have you? Or are you just satisfied with the Christ you know? Probably, that's why you never see him morning, noon, and night. Because I'm too busy. I got my work to do. I got my family to feed. I got, you know, dirt to shovel. I said, go ahead and do that. Because you will never know me the way you should. It's not talking about getting to heaven. He's talking about living a miserable life on earth because you've reached saturation and you cannot go any further because you're comfortable with what you know. You don't want to be positioned in a place higher than where you are. So you sit around your little theologies and doctrines and 
and expect it to work every time. It will not because the times have changed. You cannot go and heal a mental patient if you don't know what you're dealing with. Apostle Paul, Paul knew something that Apostle John had experienced. That it was no longer good enough to know Jesus the Son of Man or Jesus the Son of God who had died, crucified and risen again. That was not enough. God was setting them up to show them something they had never seen before in their life and had never experienced before in their life. They had seen the Son of Man. They had experienced the Son of God. They had seen Him crucified. They had seen Him risen up. They had seen the miracle signs and wonders. But they had never seen the Alpha and the Omega. Mm. Never! And friends, I want to tell you something. He's turning up very soon. You and I need to get on our knees and position ourselves higher in Christ Jesus and say, Lord, reveal to me the Alpha and the Omega. Because I know the Christ who died for me. I know the Christ who rose up. I know the Christ of miracles, signs and wonders. But I don't know this Alpha and Omega. Wasn't good enough for the churches in the book of the Revelation. To sit there and say, oh, you know, I've got all these Buddha points. You know, I'm really, really good because the Alpha and the Omega turned up and he said, look at five out of seven churches. I don't like what you've done. <laughs> Short horror. What did we do? He said, you, you, you let go of your first love. You allowed Jezebel to come into the church and cause fornication. You have blinded yourself to think of yourself as more rich than everybody else. But in actual fact, you are poor. You don't even have proper garments. Somewhere along the way, you can easily lose sight unless you make your calling and election sure. Climb up higher. God is calling you. Don't sit there in your, you know, understanding and theology. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, he broke it when I came here to Australia. I was telling the pastors back in India. They were asking him, what is Australia like? And I said, you really want to know? And when I told them, they got shocked. They said, we haven't heard this. I said, I know, nobody will tell me that. Jesus didn't tell me when he brought me here what was going to happen. Jesus doesn't tell everybody what's going to happen tomorrow. He doesn't. He never told Joseph what was going to happen to him. He just gave him two dreams. Said you're going to be a top guy. So he thought he was going to be a top guy straight away, but he wasn't. 17 years of torture. You might be waiting for a solution and, and, and uh, a situation to turn around for you in half a second. I want to tell you, make your calling and election sure in the midst of darkness. Because that's the time the devil will come to take what God already invested in you. Is that how? Paul says, Hymenius made a shipwreck of his faith. He no longer walks with us. You know what a shipwreck is? Total destruction of a vessel carrying people's souls. Total destruction. Our calling into a higher place can occur when we leave behind the old, when we leave behind the previous achievements. You see, 
many Christians don't understand this and they go about trying to maintain their spiritual status status quo because they are afraid they will lose something they have gained. I was talking to one of my brothers in the Lord. He said, you know how much I want to go higher in the Lord? I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, next time you get up on the pulpit to preach, I said, why don't you throw away your notes? He said, I can't do that. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I started to laugh. I said, I know. I said, that's your problem. Because you think you are a teacher. Or you know that you are a teacher. I said, the one who lives in you is the teacher. Not you. Right? 1 John 2, 27. No man need teach you. The anointing himself will teach you. He is the teacher, the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you about Jesus. Otherwise, when you get up, you might start talking about yourself. Or something else, which is not relevant to the church. Don't try to maintain what God has given you. You cannot. Because the day will come when you will pluck it out of your hand. And then it's gone. Right? You've lost it. So hang on. Where did it go? I just took it away from you. Why won't why you take it away from me? Because I want you to go higher. Because I want you to go higher. So, but Lord, this is not the way to do it. So who told you I'm the Lord? I'll do it any which way I like to do it. See, we fight him. We're fighting. I know you are fighting him. Because you're holding on to what you think you have. Your money, your house, your car, you know, your husbands, your wives, your children. What you think of yourself. What you make yourself to be. Even if it is good. Even if it is powerful, even if it is getting good results, the danger is in making it your God and not Jesus. Why did Elijah say, kill me and take me? Now because he had come to the end of his ministry. Or so he thought. Do you know, okay, here's a thought for you, go home and put it on the poker and cook it for a little while. Here's the thought. Elijah is coming back. His ministry is not over. In the book of Malachi, it says, I will send you the spirit of Elijah for the reconciliation of the fathers to the children and the children to the Fathers, his ministry is not over. He thought it was over. No, no. Even when he got into that uh, fiery cab of, you know, he thought he must have thought it's, oh, it's done. Well, who was it? He turned up with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration and spoke to Jesus and said, "Oh, I'm still here. I'm still doing ministry." He was ministering to Jesus, the Son of God. The son of man. I'm sure that some of you here think that when you leave this earth, you will be in front of a nice beach on a, on a nice taking chair, sipping a pina colada for the eternity. Yeah. Hey, come on, tell the truth. Come on, come on, tell the truth. Hey, that's what you're waiting for, I know. You see, when this world is over, when this sorrow will stop, when this husband will stop bugging me, is the day that I die. <laughs> and you're actually speeding up your own death. Right? No, 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 no. There's work to do there. There's more work to do there. 
higher place God is calling us. Apostle Paul counted all his achievements as done to gain Jesus. So he wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, of the high calling in God. Right? And he said, Jesus is the high calling. And he said, Lord, give these Ephesians the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Open their eyes, like you open my eyes, open their eyes, that they may see. And that's the, that's the duty of every Christian, is to bow your knee to God and say, open my eyes and help me to see Jesus high and lifted up. I tell you, the moment you see that, there will not be a single problem on this earth for you. You may suffer the physical symptoms of it, you may suffer the emotional symptoms of it, you may suffer the abuse of it, the offense of it, you may suffer all of those things, but it will not be a problem anymore. You say, how does that work? Very simple. The blood of Jesus covers you. And for the first time in your life, you really know what the blood does. The blood of Jesus, you know, I, 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 I use it against you, devil. You know, the word of my testimony. Blah, blah, blah. You're getting whacked at right and center, and your head is going like the Indian who's saying yes, like that. And you know, you don't know what you're doing. And the blood of Jesus is not working. You know, I, I, I really I learned something from a guy called Apostle Chi. He was holding a person who was totally demonized. I mean, they were trying to hit him, do all sorts of things, right? And three, four people are holding that person. And he said, no, let, 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 let it go. And he got hold of this person by the scuff of their neck. He said, see, I'm one person now holding this. You were three, four of them trying to hold. He said, but I'm holding, just me. And this person's going hammer and tongs trying to take him out. And he's not even looking at that person, he's looking somewhere else. And he said this. He said, Jesus and me are undefeatable. Wow. You know, that was like a ton of bricks that hit me that day. And he's standing there. Looking the other way. Now I tell people don't look away from demonic people because you get a wipe on your head. But he was looking the other way. Still good advice, don't look the other way. <laughs> and he just turned around and he was saying, In the mighty name of Jesus. And this person will go, Another two or three minutes, he knows exactly when the demon is left. He let go. They hit the ground, he said, You're released. Now, I said, Lord, how do I learn that? I know deliverance, but how do I learn that? So I'm glad you asked, come on, I'll show you. Hmm. So, when I was in India, you know, uh, we had a whole lot of people there, and this woman came up to me and she said, You know, I had this bad talk. And it's not leaving me. It's been with me for life. So I said, okay. And I looked around and I saw they were all Indians. And I said to myself, okay, let me hit her on the head. So I just hit her whack on the head, bang, one shot. Right? And she went, blah, blah, blah. Then I hit her again. <laughs> Because I saw the other apostle doing it, you see. And I was wondering why he's hitting her. I said, I've got to work this out. So let me. She, she's not an Australian. She can't sue me. She doesn't know me. It took about five minutes. Then I, there was another guy there I wanted to train him. He was, he was a guy who got saved from witchcraft background. And God told me, I'm going to use this man powerfully. Train him, release him into the ministry. He's brand new. His first time he's come to the church. 
he's been, he's been a Christian for some time, but first time he's come to this church. So I called him, I said, hey, you come here. I said, Peter. <laughs> so he went, what? He was bold. He just hit a bang. Two, three times. Completely delivered. Come on, we talk, hey, come on, you're laughing, you're not clapping now, are you? For 25 years. You want to go into a higher place, you're going to take some risks. Just don't do it in a western world because they'll sue you. But they do it, they come to America and they do it. They don't care. See, you, if you want to learn something about God, you've got to go into the higher place. We have to leave the old things beside. Leave it out. Okay? When we begin to understand that Jesus is the high calling, then we will go into that place. The same spirit that is in Jesus must come upon us. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 5 to 9. I don't know where the time goes. I've got a good hour of message left. I'm going to have to finish this now. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 9. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For these things being you and above, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his own sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things you shall never fail. You see, the beauty of building on the foundation of Jesus is that in the initial stages of the building, it is you who is building on the foundation. Okay, and you have got a sure foundation. So you're rooting yourself and grounding yourself in Christ Jesus. That's the best thing you can do. Okay, but you're building this house. It's not Christ who's building it. Okay, he said, I will build my house at the gates of hell. Yes, he is building his house. Technically speaking, he is building his house. But he's using you. Right, so you, if you don't lay the flows in your own life for the temple of God to come and be manifest so that he can live in it no floor will be built you will just have a foundation and maybe as time goes back that foundation also will go if the foundation is removed where will the righteous go is what the word of God says right so we build on top of the foundation to keep the foundation sure in our life and as we are building what happens is, at initial stages, you say, I'm standing on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm standing on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm standing on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. And suddenly one day I got a tap on my shoulder and he said, Son, you're not standing on the sure, sure foundation of Jesus Christ. I am making you stand on it. So, oh, sorry, Lord. So give up your theologies and give up your doctrines and give up all the things that you think you know. Because the only reason you're standing is because of His grace and His mercy. But He's teaching you how to build. Now the beauty of building upon God, upon Christ, is that as the building grows, it's taking you to a higher position. But you know, the amazing or scary thing about it is that as we get up higher, we realize it's the foundation that is holding up the building. Yes. 
that if in any way there's a crack on the good side it will be fixed up through repentance on the bad side is you're going to crumble and fall because in 1 Corinthians 4 he says what you build will be tested many are building the wrong things they're not called to do that they're doing it they're not chosen to do that they're doing it and they're in the wrong place and they're going to go to God and say, God, look at this wonderful building I made for you. And he says, get away from me, I don't know you. And you know what does that? Pride. What does that is a lack of understanding of what it is that God wants to do with us. You know, he never uses revenge for fixing up the problem. He never uses worldly methods to fix up a problem. He, there's chaos and confusion and wars and millions of wars going on right now around the world. Do you see God coming in with his armies and sorting it all out? No. He's using you and me to, to pray. He's using you and me to love one another. He's using me and you to do a unity thing so that we all stay together in the body of Christ. He wants us to change. So he's saying it's having faith alone is not enough. You have to add to your faith. Give diligence and add to your faith to make your calling and election sure. Is what, what am I adding, Lord? What am I supposed to add to my faith? And he says, you know, you add faith, virtue. To virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance, which is self-control. And to self-control, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And then he says, if these things be in you, who's going to check? He said, nobody's checking. Huh? The Holy Spirit is there checking. These are all flows of the building. One on top of the other. Till you get to love. Till you understand what love is. And how to express it. How to give it out. How to receive it. How to deal with it. Then till you get to that flow. You keep building. And he says, if they are in you, you will never fail. You will never fail. But if they are not, you have forgotten who you are, where you came from. And you are going to become barren and you are going to become unfruitful. So, when Christ comes for the fig on the tree and it is barren, he will curse it at the roots. This man, the same man who died on that operating table, Jesus said to him, Son, you had a bad mouth. He said, One thing I want to impress upon you every man will be accountable for what they say. And he looked at this man and he said, I really meant what I said. Without hurting him. But he just said to him, I really meant what I said. Do you understand? He said yes. So after that, he measures his words. Do I really need to say this? Do I really need to open my mouth at all? Get rid of your old character. Peter's offering you a new character. It's called Christ Jesus character. Bring that into your daily life. Learn it. So many times I sit back and I look at all my mistakes and I say, no, you did not do well there. How did you manage that? I have to repent. 
Otherwise, the building doesn't progress. The relationship doesn't become better. I may still get a lot of results. But I know my connection to God is not doing well. So he urges us, us to change in order to bring change to the world. While the world is doing chaotic, he's bringing us together. So husbands and wives, fathers and children, change. You know, bring change of heart. Otherwise you're going to find you're saying the wrong thing and you're putting curses on yourself and others. You know, in finishing I want to say this, that if you can discern the character of a person in the flesh, you can discern the character of that person in the spirit. It's not the other way around. It's what is in the flesh that determines what is in the spirit. So if you get rid of the flesh, there's less flesh to discern. That's why I said, get rid of the flesh. Crucify it, mortify it. How do you do it? How do you change your position? By taking in on all of these things that Peter is talking about and positioning yourself higher because a time is coming when your faith will be tested, when your calling and election will be tested. If a nuclear bomb goes off in Australia or a tsunami comes or something else happens, you know, your faith is going to be tested. The pastor was telling us in America that when the, when the 2, 2 thing happened, that, you know, his church was full. Three months, after three months, back to normal. He's got a 250, 300-seater and he's only got about 30 to 40 people in his church. He moves in miracle signs and wonders. He's on TV all over America and all over the world. Okay? His name is Mel Bond. But he doesn't have people in his church. His community alone is about 250,000 people. They don't go to church. So your miracle signs and wonders, all of those things are not going to change people. The disaster is not going to change people. It's the Word of God. It's Christ in us that's going to change the people. It's we using the power of God, you know, to change that person by showing love, by using power, by demonstrating all the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to demonstrate. That's what's going to change the character. Right? If I meet a person who is lazy by nature, I'll tell you, most likely they'll be lazy in the spirit. By that I mean that they will never attempt to do what can be done and should be done, spiritually speaking. So you just sit back and say, I'm waiting on the Lord for His chariot of fire to go to heaven. I don't need to do it. You'll never push yourself to go higher. And you know, that is what is possible in the last days. Because I'm really scared for the church. Is that they will not change in character, but they will demonstrate power. And that scares me. That scares me no end. Because if I go to open my mouth and tell somebody that church is not operating in the Lord, they will crucify me. They will crucify me. They say, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, God is not in this church. And they said, you don't know what you're talking about. Can't you see the numbers? Can't you see their bank balance? Can't you see the miracle signs and wonders? Can't you see the souls being saved every Sunday? I said, but God is not in the church. Because what I am discerning, what makes me right is the fruit of what that ministry produces or what that church produces before God. So when I bow my knees and I go to God and I say, God, 
I've come into your presence. It's regarding going to the next level. And you say, son, did you discern what that other church is doing? And I say, yes, Lord. He said, don't you ever do that in your church. Don't you ever do that in your church. Don't you ever do that in your home. Don't you ever do that in your family. Don't you ever do that in your job place. Because it's not righteousness. I say, yes, Lord. But it's going to cost me, Lord. They're going to leave the church. He said, let them leave. But don't you ever do that in your church. And every now and then the flesh kicks in. And I make a mistake. He says, see, I told you. And before you know it, the curveball comes. He learned. Make your calling an election show. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. To come closer to Jesus and position yourself, you have to abandon yourself. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus this morning. Thank you that you will teach us through the Holy Spirit that your words will not fall on bad soil, but it will go to good soil that people will learn and change and grow out of this because our heart is to serve you and follow you all the days of our lives. Bless us, we pray, that we may be found righteous in your sight. Help us to make our calling and election sure as to why we as Calvary Assembly are here. Let us never lose sight and help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.